0: So for the last three days, I've been sorting through all of my cookbooks, um, the new ones, but also the old ones to try to purge in some spirit of like, I don't know, self abnegation and nihilism and the end is coming and I want no possessions. (laughs) But one of the books that I did not get rid of and it was not just because I was gonna be here tonight was The Munchies Guide to Dinner because it's a fantastic freaking cookbook. Um, And I'm really excited to be here talking with you about it.
1: Thanks, I'm excited that you're here. I have to say this really quickly that when I when we were gonna do this and we were like, oh, who do you wanna chat with? And I was like, Helen. And I, I've worked with Helen, like we worked together at Subur, so seven years ago, essentially. And Helen, i interned for you also on the website. Faraday
0: was my intern. I think <laughs> this is a very important fact that we need to bring up as often yes. as possible. Yeah, yep, 100%. And I remember
1: I called you and I was like, I'm actually really nervous. We're friends, like we've been friends for a long time. And I said to you, I was like, I'm really nervous to ask you this. I don't know why. But I, I mean, yeah. that one's a big so, fucking deal
0: too. No, so we're, no, you Faraday and I text all the time. We're we're like we're friends. We're cool. We have like an inside, inside joke. The yeah, and and Faraday texted me and said, "Can I call you?" And I was like, <laughs> "What's wrong?" And it turned out that she wanted me to be here. And I like, there's nothing I want more. So I'm really I want to know all about your book. And this is this has been a strain on our friendship actually because I have not been able to talk to you about your book for the last three weeks because I've been trying to save it all up for the show. Oh, yeah. It's so tight. I have so many questions and I can't wait for you to tell me everything. Let's do it. Well, okay, let's talk about the book. So the Munchies Guide to, This is your third Munchies cookbook.
1: It is. It's our third cookbook. So I've been at Munchies for three and a half years and this is our third book in that amount of time that I've worked okay. on. So the first one is called Chef's Night Out, which Munchies, for those of you who don't know, started... I mean, over 10 years ago as it was called Munchies, but it was a YouTube show that is now called Chef's Night Out and it's um, chefs what they eat on their nights off. Um, they go out, get shit-faced and then go back to the restaurant and cook themselves. That turned into Chef's Night Out and Munchies turned into a website. And then that's the premise of the first book is recipes from the world's best chefs, what they cook when they're shit-faced. Um, so that's a fun one. And then Bon Appetit. Again, um, as the name
0: implies, <laughs> is cooking
1: with weed. Um, but everything, I will say this, for those you don't have that book, you can cook everything in there without weed. You can just get high ahead of time if you want to, or just cook it with just whatever. It doesn't have to have weed involved at all. Um, and yeah, this book we just did, and it's, I, I contributed recipes to Bon Appetit, uh, but this one is all my recipes, so it, it's a,
0: near and dear to my heart and i'm very excited about it we worked really hard on it so how did this the the concept for this book come to be so the idea which i love i mean i think it's like you know we all like eat breakfast and we eat lunch but i think like the meal that we cook is dinner yeah so so what was the motivation behind sort of an accessible dinner cookbook it doesn't have a a an intoxicant
1: attention. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right?
0: Um, so this book kind of
1: grew and blossomed from, basically was, let's be honest, I think that mo- more and more nowadays, our our audience especially, and you guys are our audience, I'm assuming that's why you're here, um, you guys actually, we are cooking at home now, more and more, I think that for so long, and I think our audience in general, um, and I think that people our age, you know, people think like you're not cooking, you're going out to eat, people are doing their Instagrams and like posting all these pictures of fancy food they're eating at these beautiful restaurants. Um, And I think that more and more it's trending that people are actually cooking for themselves and their friends. Um, And so I wanted to make this book for munchies, um, like us, and then for you guys, something you're actually gonna cook. So it's broken up kind of into three sections. Um, The beginning part of the book is Like, shit that you should know how to make. Um, You know, like, whether it's roasting a chicken or mashed potatoes, dressings, marinades, things like that. Um, And I think that it's funny because so many people, whether you're, like, 18 years old or 35 years old, are like, I don't know how to roast a chicken. It was Bettina. I'm sorry. I called you. You're sitting right in front of me. Bettina, Bettina works with us at Munchie's. And I remember you'd never roasted chicken before and you were like, right? Remember whose, whose recipe was it? I forget, but you were like, I've never actually roasted a chicken. And maybe I'm wrong and I'm calling you out in the wrong way, but <laughs> too late. Um, and so many people, they had never roasted chicken. So there's a recipe for that in there. How to just roast a chicken, a very simple recipe. Um, the second part of the book is weeknight meals. So things that you can make after a long ass day at work. Um, and then the last part of the book are menus, so theme nights, weekend entertaining, um, which I think is really fun. I know I'd like to kind of throw a theme to a meal if I can, um, but also you can make everything in there and not follow a theme at all. Um, so it's kind of, that's the three sections of the book, I like to think of it in that way. But so essentially, long story short, I told you I would ramble for it. No, that. I love it. <laughs> um, is that we wanted um, we wanted to make a book that our friends and we wanted to cook from, you know? Um, so stuff that you're actually gonna be making at home. Um, maybe you're not actually cooking with weed at home. Uh, maybe you are, cool, invite me over. Um, but these <laughs> recipes are things that you you really do wanna make. So that's kind of where it stemmed from, just we we're like, we want people to actually cook our fucking recipes, you know? And I think that these are very cookable recipes. And if you aren't cooking them, get on it, all right?
0: One of the things I really love about all the recipes in the book is that they so many of them you know as i think Paige put it really well like they're these comfort food recipes but they also like frequently to me feel like they have sort of references to the kind of food that you might get at a restaurant or like a fast food restaurant like there's a recipe for cheeseburgers and there's a recipe for carne asada fries which i'm going to want to talk about in greater detail like, because <laughs> i'm obsessed with this recipe um you know there's a recipe for fried chicken thighs I and mean, these are things that i think that like we're very used to getting delivered or going out to get at a restaurant or like, you know, it's three AM food or it's yeah. like I've had a long day, I deserve it kind of food. And it's not something that I think I necessarily think of to make myself, right? Like I, I don't I can't remember the last time I was like, I'm craving a cheeseburger and then the next step after that thought is I'm gonna make the cheeseburger. It's usually I'm gonna go pay someone to make the cheeseburger for me. Yeah. I so I love this idea that like i can make my own goddamn cheeseburger
1: and <laughs> well and like the thing is with all of the recipes in the book too is that they're um we're taking things that are like yeah i i cook everyone's always like what do you take at home and i i really do cook a lot of comfort foods and um like i love a chicken pot pie you know um there's a chicken pot pie recipe in there i change it every time sometimes I put biscuits on top sometimes like, i put puff pastries sometimes i do mashed potatoes on top that's not a pie i guess but yeah. shepherd's, shepherd's pie yeah Um, It's pie. Yeah, it's pie. Mm -hmm. Pie is pie, okay people? Um, But the idea is too with a lot of these recipes is that there's simple recipes that you're gonna cook and then it's like, oh, here is something interesting about it that you can do to make it better. So there's, yeah, it's a roast chicken, but why are you putting it in the fridge overnight, the night before to like dry it out? Helen over here will tell you to use a hairdryer to crisp up the skin. After you leave it in the
2: fridge overnight.
0: Everybody forgets that stuff. You have to put it in the fridge for 24 hours, and then you use a hairdryer to get all the damp bits. There's the armpits stay really moist. <laughs> it's true. disgusting, and you want them to be dry. Nobody understands me. I,
1: I get it. I get it. But so we're telling people to do that. We're telling people how to properly make mashed potatoes. You know, if you want lumps, sure, go for a lumpy. Um, that works too. Um, but the cheeseburger, it's like we're adding mustard into it because that's going to help. People I mean, are like, why are you? Put, I've never put mustard in my hamburger patty, and it's like fucking put that shit in there because it adds really good flavor to it also I put mustard in everything it's my favorite ingredient probably (laughs) Um, so we're trying to take these recipes that are yes very classic comfort things but then giving you a helpful kind of tip or whatever to go along with it. Like it's simple, like with well, the carne asada fries, do you want me to hold off on that? Um, that? I have
0: a lot of questions about the carne asada fries. <laughs> but, but no, but so with the cheeseburger, for example, like in the head note, so, so for those of you who are familiar with In-N-Out Burger, like the secret to in and out Burger's tasting so delicious is that they you can get the the patties slathered in mustard and you get this effect. And so in the head note for the cheeseburger recipe, you mentioned like mixing mustard in with the meat gets you this in and out effect. Why do you think it is that we're so attracted to this idea of, like, replicating junk food at home?
1: Because it's fucking good. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I it's really sad. Like, today I was at home this morning, and I was like, I should make something. I have lettuce. I should make a salad. And then I was like, no, let's have a Capri Sun, which is really sad. (laughs) (laughs) But but I think that, you know, it's fun to go out um, to eat and get this, like, you know, junk food, whatever you want to have. But... I think that ultimately kind of at home, it's, it's a little bit of a treat to make that stuff yeah. for you and your friends. Yeah. Am I right?
0: I love also, so so the book, it it sounds like, and you know, from reading it, it's a book that's pitched at kind of starter cooks, but there, I mean, there's a lot for experienced cooks to get in there and the recipes are really creative, but it's a it's a book that I think like, you know, the voice that you take in there is very patient, it's very accepting, it's like a really sort of generous teaching book. But you're also asking your reader to do things that can sometimes feel incredibly ambitious, even though like, you know, you and I who kind of cook obsessively and in your case professionally know that it's not actually that hard to make mayonnaise, for example, from mm-hmm. scratch. But for somebody who's a novice cook or somebody who's like really just starting to flex their muscles in the kitchen, you might be like, What the hell? Like you make mayonnaise? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. just like come out of the mayonnaise cow like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say this,
1: like I I'm a big proponent of like buying a lot of condiments because Buy that shit. You know what I mean. But like, <laughs> I think that mayonnaise is one of those things that you should know how to make because um, you can jazz it up a bit or whatever. Never make ketchup. I can't. I hate ketchup. Talked about this a million times. But buy ketchup and it should be fine. You
0: hated ketchup. I
1: fucking hate it so much.
0: Why do you hate ketchup?
1: It, I, it's gross. The only time it's not a real answer. I mean, it's gross. It's too sweet. It's um, I, I, and I love tomatoes too, but it's just like it's overly sweet. Also, homemade ketchup is terrible. Never do I want to go somewhere and they're like, we've got our own (laughs) homemade house ketchup. And I'm like, you can pass that back and just give me the Dijon. Mm -hmm.
0: Because
1: that's what I'm about. I
0: agree. If a place has, like, the Sir Kensington's ketchup, that's just like, no. I know, sorry,
1: Sir Kensington. But yeah, no.
0: (laughs) The mustard is fine. Like, everything else is fine. But, like, it is interesting how, like, we have sort of, like, a ketchup hegemony in the United States where it's just Heinz or GTFO. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Except you hate it.
1: I I'll so once in a while I will entertain it. It actually got me I wrote a whole thing for munchies a couple of years ago actually about how much I hated ketchup and then how though it did get me actually so in a back way, ketchup got me into cooking and I will tell you the story. Sit back, dear listener. Um basically I was I babysat a lot growing up and the kids I used to babysit for Like that, they got me. They got me to cook, and they were wanting me to cook them scrambled eggs. They fucking loved scrambled eggs, and I'm not saying my scrambled scrambled eggs at that time were good. I was like 16 years old and scrambling these things and probably way overcooking them, whatever. But they wanted them with ketchup. Also, I have to rewind that for a second. That's really good. I hadn't eaten eggs though, also since I was five at that stage, because the last time I'd eaten them, I'd thrown up. I don't remember why. I was like five. I was my grandparents' house. I was sick. I don't know. Anyway, so I had like a bad reaction to eggs and as you do as a kid you don't eat it for a long time Made these scrambled eggs for these kids they ate it with ketchup and I was kind of like I gotta try also I was like I have to try this and see a if my cooking is good of these eggs and then I'm like I'm gonna try it with the ketchup anyway so ketchup got me into eating eggs and that was the start of my career as a chef as well <laughs>
0: It's really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I think that eggs with ketchup are. I used to. I remember eating ketchup. So, you don't actually hate ketchup, is the takeaway I'm getting from here. This is like part of your personal brand name, and you're attached to it. <laughs> but it's not actually who you are. Yeah. I
1: mean,
0: I'll. I'll so, no. Does ketchup appear at all in the book? I don't think it does. It's not in the barbecue sauce recipe, is it? It might be in the it barbecue be in the Barbecue. It, it, so, has to be it blew a bit. my mind. I. I I have been thinking about food professionally for a really long time, and I've been thinking about it obsessively for even longer than that, and I think it was maybe only three years ago that I realized that barbecue sauce is just ketchup with spices in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was one of those weird moments where I was like, oh. Yeah, it's so easy to
1: make, too. Like, bar- it's, barbecue sauce is an easy one that you're like, just stir things together.
0: The barbecue sauce recipe in the book is really it's good. good. It's you. a terrific barbecue sauce recipe. Yeah. Thanks. I love it. Okay, so I want to talk about the carne asada fries, which I've been thinking about a lot. So so um, for those of you who haven't opened your copies of the book yet, there's a recipe for carne asada fries, which has one of the most gorgeous photos of food that I've ever seen. I'm also very hungry right now, um, <laughs> that I've ever seen on the page. It's this beautiful overhead shot of what you think at first glance is a plate of nachos, yes. but no, it's french fries, with a lot of nacho-esque toppings on it and also carne asada. I feel like this recipe sort of encapsulates the spirit of the Munchies Guide to Dinner in every way, right? Like it has that kind of junky, but you're making it yourself, so it's not junky vibe to it. It's definitely like late night Munchies food, but it's also like, no, I'm actually like gonna sit down and make this. And it's actually sort of healthy if you think about it. And it's like full of vegetables and like fresh meats and great things like that. And then, it's not nachos, it's fucking French fries and homemade French fries. So this is this is the real thing, right? So the first thing is like putting nacho type toppings on top of French fries is something I, I mean that I know has existed for a very long time, but I feel like I've been seeing it more and more lately, and I applaud this as a cultural place that we're going to, and I'm really not grateful for that you French included it. In right? <laughs> but it's the fact that you ask your reader to make French fries from scratch that blew me away. I yeah. think can of in one hand the number of cookbooks that tell people to make French fries at home because they're famously a nightmare. Mm-hmm.
1: I know everybody, the thing of everyone has their own trick. It's like, do you do like, you soak them in, well we do soak them in water and then you par cook them once and then freeze them and then cook them again and all this stuff. But so part of also, I will say this, with the cooking show and with this book, um, we keep, you know, we coming back to it. it's like, you know, junky food and blah blah. But I will say this, and I always, I always want to make sure that people, whether it's you know making French fries or, um, or your own burgers, that you're learning something in that. In um, a lot of the things on the cooking show, I'm sitting there and I'm like, why am I making a huge giant cookie bowl? That recipe video is coming out soon. P.S. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> um, But here, you know, you're making this huge thing, making cookies, whatever, but why are we creaming the butter and the sugar? There's a reason why you are doing that. Why are we using brown sugar and white sugar? So kind of like taking it out and yeah, you're making fun, like junky-ish recipes, but here's why we're doing the things we're doing, the reason why. And so with the French fries and the carne asada fries, You're putting, you soak them in water um, and then you're putting them into cold oil. Now, most of the tips and tricks, I'm not gonna lie and pretend like I made all these things up. I've worked in restaurants for seven years and work with chefs every week and day and talented, you know, interns, shout out to Cliff, my other intern who's here um, and just people in general. um, And this is actually a tip from one of my old kitchen managers is you start the fries in cold oil, and then just <laughs> let it um, let it heat up. And you don't need a deep fry thermometer at all, um, and it just you'll see them start cooking. It takes like 45 minutes, but it's, it's like easy. Comfee. You're like yeah, cooking comfee. the French fries. Yeah, and it comes out. They come out awesome. They come out really good and crispy. And why do you and,
0: soak the fries in, in
1: water? Um, you don't do that to take off a lot of the starch, so that well, ideally when you put it in the oil, um, the starch kind of comes off. and It's not good. Or, in the water, you take all the starch off so that they come out crispier at the end of the day when you put them in the oil. So. Why do you think people are so scared of deep frying? People are scared because here's the thing. It's oil, it's hot. You're heating up oil, that shit burns. But also it's like smelly. There's a lot of like, what, how, I dis- how do I dispose of this oil?
0: How do I dispose of this oil? And pour and it then? down
1: the drain. I'm kidding no. don't
0: do
1: that. <laughs> 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 Fooled ya. Uh, let it cool completely. You can strain it and reuse it for the most part. Sometimes, um, but uh, save the container that you pour out of, and you can seal it back up in there. A lot of times, you can call somewhere to come and pick it up for you, like we do at the um, at the about the restaurant. It's not a restaurant at like Munchies. Um, or you can also, if you put it back in that container, and like people come pick it up, or you can throw it away. But um, keep it in that jar. Don't pour it down your drain. Don't just. Pour it in the street or anything like that. So like, weirdos
0: real talk: Should I be making my own French fries from scratch? I,
1: you, I think you should. I think it's a fun, like, way to do it. And I will say this though: I made this recipe with friends I was in LA recently, and um my friends, I was just like, "Oh, I'll come over. Like, let's cook. Pick out a recipe from the book." And they're like, "Let's do the carne asada fries." And I was like, "We also didn't have time to make the fries. It takes like forty five minutes to like do that." And she's got a kid, and I was like, "We're not doing this. So just buy frozen French fries." So you one hundred percent can do that. But try it, I think it's like worth trying once. If you're gonna have friends over, here's the cool thing is that a lot of these things, they are like little flexes that you can like, have your friends over be like, we're gonna, you know, watch some movies and make carne out of fries and you can say like, oh, I made these fries from scratch and it was really fucking easy. You can also do it while your friends are there because I'm a big fan of when I entertain, I don't wanna be in the kitchen cooking, I wanna just like be there hanging out with my friends and having wine and having a good time with them um, and not like in the kitchen stressed out. So you can put these on, kind of walk away I mean don't walk don't leave you know but like you could you don't have to sit there and like fuss around with it too much and you can make your guacamole and your salsa earlier and your carne asada is like marinated and it's very simple
0: Or at least you can make it look simple. Like I think, because I think that the key to a good dinner party, at least like for me and my emotional needs as a host, is that I need to make it look like, oh, this old thing, like I did nothing. I live this perfect life all the time. Like, of course I have these bottles of champagne chilling in the fridge just in case I didn't run around the city this morning buying all of this and then brushing my hair and like all this. But but it actually is a a lot of
1: work. I mean, entertaining is a lot of work. Let's not lie to ourselves here. It's a lot of work. But it's a lot of
0: work to make it look like it's effortless.
1: I'm also psychotic and will pre... Like, I'm very organized, and so I, like, will get everything done, like, a day in advance or the morning of, so when my friends do arrive, like, the shit's in the oven already, or it's, like, the chicken is resting and it's just, like, ready to roll. You know.
0: So this is a perfect segue (laughs) into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the whole, like, entertaining section of the book, which, for me, solves what I always sort of have as my biggest problem whenever I think about having, I don't actually ever have people over, but when I think about it, the thing that I always be, get house. stuck on, it's been like two years. I um, <laughs> have me over more often now, what the fuck? <laughs> Is that I don't know how to put together a fucking menu. And I am like great at like one dish. I know like I can, you know, I, I know how to make a ton of side dishes. I know how to make a ton of main dishes. I know how to make a ton of desserts. And I, for some reason, lack like, the section of my brain that knows how to put them together in a way that is cohesive. And I love that you've divided these up as menus so that I can know like this is the right number of dishes and these harmonize and I'm not making six things that all have carrots in them. (laughs) What's the secret to putting together a menu? Like where do you start? I mean, I I do love a theme. So um,
1: start there, think about what you like. Like all the menus in the back of that book are things that I love like I love tacos I love pizza I love burgers (laughs) I love what else in there steakhouse like a Keynes is one of my favorite restaurants there's like a whole like that one is like really good like that basically is based off of like it's it's like a fancy little like you know it's a steak it's cream spinach mashed potatoes a wedge salad shrimp cocktail cocktail. all your favorite fucking things a martini um so I like to kind of go from there and just think about like what do I want to make what's you know also if you're doing this at home like this is a actually a good book i was thinking about this just now that you could do it as like a cookbook club thing and be like all right let's all do the pizza party and like you bring the chopped salad you get the garlic bread you're gonna make the pizza i'll make a calzone bring some um i don't know some cans of soda and some beers and nice wine and there you go tiramisu the tiramisu in the book is so good p.s i love that. the
0: nutella one yeah yeah
1: that looks really good it's really good and Shout out to Nilla Wafers, fuck Fingers. So
0: if, so if I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to have a dinner party, and I feel, like, empowered by the Munchies Guide to Dinner, and I'm going to put this together myself, like, do you start with the main course? Do you start with the dessert? Do you start with, like, this is going to look good on Instagram? Like, where do you come from to make sure that dinner makes sense and also doesn't drive you insane? I mean
1: me personally, I I think of like what, what what am I in the mood for, what time of year is it, what day of the week is it is it, you know, if it's after work during the week. I am not having people over during the week, so forget that. But you know, if it's Sunday, I'm like, oh, and it's fall, and I'm like, ooh, let's make chicken pot pie and then we'll do this you know, I just kinda go from like the, the main I think and then spread out to like what, what goes along with it. Or desserts too. You could do a whole dessert party.
0: We had a pie party once.
1: Yeah, we did. We did have a pie party. That was awesome. That was really fun. It was like, but it was like, it was not just, that it was, was all best. sorts of pies. Yeah, pizzas were in there. Including, yeah, savory pies. Yeah, It was see, very good. I think I made chicken pie. I made a Frito pie. Yeah,
0: that was, that was fun. We need to we should read do that one. again. You Please. should all come to our pie party. Yeah. <laughs> Start thinking about what kind of pie you're going to make to impress everyone else. Because the goal, I think, with potlucks, I, maybe the, all of this is, I think, just revealing too much about me instead of promoting your book, but the goal of a potluck is to win. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> That's like, true.
0: You know, like low key again, it's it's the dinner party flex where it's like, oh effort, like, no, this whole thing. Like, but you show up to a pie party and you wanna make sure that like everyone is the most impressed by your pie. That was such a good party. <laughs> <laughs> <We got> <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> um
2: I'll make Timbalo and oh, well, take your money. That's,
0: that's cheating. That's I putting know. in 15 hours of labor to guarantee a win. <laughs> <I know>. but,
1: <laughs> but also you're invited. Great. It's,
0: we're <laughs> definitely going to have so a party. Um, no, that was great. And it did make really good Instagrams because it was like a lot of overhead circles. Oh, yeah. It, was, it hit every button that you want from a good party. It did. Except that it was like nine years ago. Um, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've gotten very off track now. I'm just reminiscing on our amazing pies. pie party. Um, so I wanna talk also about about the cooking show, which is wonderful and I love it. And the, the, the difference, we talked about this a little bit earlier today, the difference between explaining, because basically a recipe is a lesson, right? A recipe is like the voice, whether it's a person on your laptop screen or a person on your TV or the person who's writing the book teaching you how to do what you're doing. And I'm really curious, to hear from you as someone who basically teaches people how to make things by talking to them through a screen and also teaches people how to make things by writing to them in the pages of a book, what the difference is between those voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that
1: choosing a recipe that, you're, that makes for good video versus something that's just gonna be delicious to make, there's a big difference, you know? Um, I think that for video, it has to be visually compelling. It can't just be like, I'm gonna make this salad, you know. But if you are making a salad, like what's the what's the hook? What's the thing that makes? I'm sitting here looking at literally our production team. I'm like, "Cliff and Ian are right there," and I'm like, "Would you guys agree?" um But it is it's what like like because you are you're with your eyes watching this, and for me, I'm like, "What's the what's the thing that makes this an interesting recipe to watch someone make?" Like all the recipes in the book, when we were choosing, we did videos of recipes from the book and I was like, oh, what's the most like visually, what are you gonna learn from these? Um, and visually, it's gonna be really entertaining. Um, and then versus like stuff that's just great for the website or the cookbook or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that having that kind of like visual hook to it is for me, like when I'm choosing recipes I'm just and also I think about like, yeah, it's like, what are you doing like, yeah, visually that people can watch and learn from? Um, And I also think about things in terms of for the cooking show like what haven't I done before what recipes haven't we done um, On the website or in videos in general Um, and then what do people like want like is it seasonal like um, Things like that. So there's a lot of different things in play for that But
0: how often do you hear from people who've made your recipes a lot? It's funny. I I always I I always check
1: through like my dms and see and I'm like it makes me so happy when people like actually cook our recipes because I think that for a while Um, you know, people still are getting used to the fact that Vice has, like, food and recipe section, Um, and people are like, oh, I didn't know that, so people in our office don't even know the the kitchen exists in the back, so in our office, like, it's in the back, and it's really hidden, which is kind of nice, because people aren't constantly coming in and eating the food, Um, but, you know, so for me, when I hear people are, like, actually cooking it, it gets me very happy and excited, even, you know, I'm just like, like, oh, like, that's amazing, what did you think, or, Whatever, and I also have access to the Munchies Instagram, so I go through there and like I'll respond to people if they're like, "Oh, I made your thing and it was great" or "It was, or, it was shit" or whatever. No one ever says it was shit, but if they did, I would I would respond and. How
0: do you that. feel when people put their own spin on things?
1: Oh, I think that's great. That's part of the thing too is that I, I say this constantly that these recipes we want like as a recipe writer and, and developer I you know put them out there and when my interns are are recipe testers are testing recipes I'm like no you follow the recipe because that's the job or testing a recipe to make sure it works. Um, But when I want like for, you know, you guys, I want you guys like, oh, you're seeing this. Um, Even if you're not cooking exactly the recipe from the cookbook, like the carne asada fries, don't make your own fries. Sure, just buy some, but then like make the other things, let it inspire you. And I want to teach people, in the cooking show or in the cookbook, like here are things that you can do and like by learning this, like you can make your them your own recipe and like and do your own twist to it. So yeah, please do that. Like because that's the idea of cooking, right? Is that um or cookbooks for me anyway and like and these shows is that people are watching and reading and then they're inspired to go and like do these things at home for themselves and their friends.
0: Have you ever seen any variations that people have made that have like gotten you kind of inspired? I haven't, no. <laughs> no. In, like, no. Oh my god.
1: No, nothing. People actually are following us. <laughs> gotta bring gotta our game. I know. Come on. Bring it, guys. Put come more on. spins on it. Yeah. I'm
0: going to make the tiramisu with duck fat instead of... <laughs> do it. <With> Masquerade. Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could add... <laughs> that would be disgusting. Dip. It could but work. You hey, could add a little. You could do it. It's like a sprinkle like bacon of energy. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not no. feeling it. I'm going along with it because you seem enthusiastic, and I respect you. But you never, you never know. I don't, so, but i You know, we were talking earlier today. And you were telling me that you you seem like to get a lot of attention when you make something that's vegan, or if you make something that's gluten free. And it seems like a lot of people are kind of finding you or finding recipes in particular because they're working with some kind of dietary limitation. And I sent like you one of my
1: recipes, and my recipes are full of cheese and
0: lactose. Like, like, one of our DPs
1: is completely lactose intolerant, and every time he shoots with us, the poor guy's like, can't eat this, I guess. And I'm like, nope.
0: I carry lactate in my wallet at all times, what? just in case I run into you. Um, <laughs> Maybe you should do this to your poor person you work with who wants to share in your very cheese filled arancini that I can't eat because I forgot to bring lactate with me. I hope y'all got your arancini, by the way. I hear they're delicious. (laughs) (laughs) So, would you make vegan food? I
1: mean, you know, oh yeah, we did, um, I've done a lot of vegan recipes and we did like a vegan shepherd's pie and. Um, some of the dishes in the book are vegan, I have to think about it, but I'm sure there are some.
2: Mm.
1: I I almost said carne soda fries, I'm like, wait a second, the first word right there tells you it's not. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, that first word is is means meat in yeah. Spanish. <laughs> no, I don't, yeah, I mean I, I do feel like there is something to sort of like your whole vibe. That I is did, like,
1: do a, wait, I did these awesome gluten-free, sorry, to interrupt you, gluten-free scones that were so good. They were made with almond flour, and they were, oh, man, I'm obsessed with them. I make them all the time. And you, I have made them, I prefer private chef for a family, and I made them essentially vegan by using, um, like, a you can use uh, whatever, like almond milk or whatever in it as well. They're good. That sounds really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because I feel like your, your whole sort of vibe, right, like, on the show and in your books and the way you are in the world is, like, have fun and like fucking enjoy yourself, yeah. and it does seem like I, I don't in any. If you're, if you're means, vegan, you're well, not having thing, fun and like, enjoying yourself. I don't think yourself. that it's the case that like <laughs> vegan food is joyless, <laughs> but I do think that frequently the way that vegan food is represented, like if you find like like YouTube channels or cookbooks that are dedicated to veganism, they tend to very frequently be about the sort of like pristine and delicate and beautiful and like waifish version of it, and not the like fuck yeah like French fries are technically vegan, kind of vegan junk food perspective. I know, I should
1: start making more vegan stuff, huh? I'm gonna think about this. No, <laughs> close to no, don't do it. But the SEO My is so strong. strong. I
0: know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Okay, I also wanna to talk to you about the impossible flan.
1: Oh, yes. Wait, so Paige,
0: you guys made, um,
1: you didn't make impossible flan, but they made <laughs> chocolate cake for later, which I always forget that that recipe is in the book because the cake part, of the Impossible Flawn. A lot of the recipes in the book I try to make them so that um you know, so for the for example, the Impossible Flawn, the cake, I was like, well this cake is a good recipe as a chocolate cake. Well so, let's explain
0: what Impossible oh, yeah, Flawn is first because this is like it's a recipe. It's so I actually cool. I
1: learned when I was in Mexico City with a friend of mine who's her family is Mexican and they made it and I was like, what's this impossible flan? I was at Saverd at the time and I came back and I was like, if I got a recipe for you and then Saverd's like, fuck you Verdi, we already have that recipe. And I was like, oh yeah. So the idea of it that makes it impossible is that it's chocolate cake. Um, So you pour chocolate cake batter into a pan, chocolate cake pan, whatever. And then you pour over top of that, is that the way it goes? Am I doing the opposite? Then you pour on top of that, like a flan mixture Sorry, let me start over. On the bottom, you do a caramel, okay? So part of the thing with the cookbook, too, is I'm like, let's teach, There's has to be teachable moments in the cookbook, as well it's as like the cooking show, I know.
2: Yeah,
1: um, so you do caramel on the bottom, so it's like, here's how to make a caramel, and here's like step-by-step how to do that. And then you're doing, um, no, then it goes chocolate cake batter. Um, so here's like really everything good for chocolate cake, which mm-hmm. is what you made yeah, tonight. Yeah. That's um, and that's why I was like, oh, we should break this out as an individual recipe, because here you are, like, you're making chocolate cake, essentially. Um, and then you pour flan on top of that. And the idea is um, you bake it in a bain, uh, So it's like a big, everyone's nodding. Yes, you don't bang, right? It's okay, great. Um, you bake it in like a water bath um, in the oven. And when you take it out, you let it cool slightly. You f- it's cool completely, actually. You flip it over and it's separated. So now the chocolate cake is on the bottom. The flan is on top and then the caramel. So if you remember, we put the caramel first down and then the chocolate and it separates.
0: There's which is super a, a fun, very cool. small picture of it on page 147 it was really hard for us
1: to like that recipe I had to fuck with so much and then when we were shooting it during the book during the, the shoot it like didn't come out and I was like motherfucker uh-huh. and then we did reshoot some stuff and I was like we're gonna redo this and so we redid it but it's not super beautiful but it yeah it completely separates um but like I was saying I forget that that recipe the chocolate cake recipe is in there because I wanted to yeah I was like we should have I want all really these teachable moments and be like here, like this is something you can do here as well, and you can break up this recipe and and, and
0: that's do one other of things. those wild like kitchen chemistry kind of things where you yeah. like basically dump all of this stuff together into one baking pan yeah. and then in like the magical black hole of the oven, it's like, hello, we are two discrete entities, and we are yeah. separating out into like these beautiful layers yeah. and you're gonna look like a genius
1: it works. even though all you
0: did was like follow the instructions, yeah it's a crazy like recipe that
1: is also very delicious we made that so many times also and um i'll say this that it's so funny because at the office like we'll put things out and that, like we'll email the munchie staff be like there's food in the kitchen or put it there's a free food email advice we put it on the bar and people are like it's funny with the cookbook people start being like
0: oh impossible flawed again and i'm like really
2: spoiled yeah people oh. It well, also makes sense why the, the cake recipe, when you make it, is much, has much more liquid in it. Yeah. Because it happens, it has yeah. to have this chemistry with the flan and the caramel. Yeah. So and like, I wasn't sure how it was going to come
1: out and it did come out like cake, but I understand now why. I, guess, I yeah. also had to change the recipe. Like, that was the thing is that originally like, my cake recipe that I use is more liquidy. And so when I kept making it at first, um, it wasn't like the chocolate. Was kind of discoloring the flan, so it wasn't the flan wasn't super white, and the chocolate was it was kind of all like almost the same color, it wasn't as distinct as I wanted. And then I don't remember even what made me. I was like, a light bulb went off, and I was like, I need to, like, it's too watery, my cake batter is too watery. And so I had, I like, thickened it up a little bit. I think I toned down the amount of milk or water in it, and anyways, there you have it,
0: (laughs) it exists. Well, I think we only have a couple more minutes before we're going to turn over to questions, and please have questions, so start thinking about it's them. Ne- now. It's
1: never more awkward when no one um, like, says a fucking word And they don't so. have to be
0: about the book. They can be about Faraday's personal life. And Helen, ask her some shit. I won't answer anything. But, um, <laughs> but before we get to that, I want to ask you um, about testing. Because I feel like all the time, um, you know, the biggest sort of vague complaint that people always have about cookbooks is, like, the recipes don't work. And the truth is that in some cookbooks, which we will not name like many of the recipes aren't that great because they're not rigorously tested and and the process of testing a recipe is actually like you taught me the process of testing a recipe like and I'm curious like I don't know, take me through the steps like what what went into like any one recipe from this book? where does it start? How many times do you do it do you cross test it like how does yes. it get from start to finish? So basically, with this
1: book, we I started thinking about the recipes for this, I, I think it was last August. Mm-hmm. I started developing and I was like, oh, this would be fun, we should do this, we should do this. And we hadn't really fully formed the idea of what this book looked like, but I just started being like, these are the things I want to eat, blah, blah, blah. Um, so when I started developing a recipe and the idea comes, I'm like, someone um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got mail. Um, Oh my God, that's like the little bookshop, right? That's like the premise. Oh my God, where's (laughs) Tom
2: Hanks?
1: So, anyways, um, the idea is that um, I sit there and I'm like, oh, I want to make this recipe, and I write down literally by hand everything, and I kind of like take my notes, and I sit there and I go into the kitchen and I grab my ingredients and I just start weighing things out like I'm like I want to make this salad I think these are the ingredients I want I don't know how much of anything so I just start doing it and weighing everything in ounces and grams like in cups like super rigorous so like the process of testing recipe my interns hate me sometimes because I'm like you need to like write down there's a recipe to cross me to test again because they didn't write down it, it called for you know Thirty ounces of scallions, like thinly sliced. And I'm like, but how many scallions is that? No one's gonna go and shop thirty scall, thirty that's ounces of so much scallion. I mean, I'm making that up, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like just to be clear, that yes, is that's a lot. Four that's, pounds that's of yeah. Many- that's a lot. That's a There's lot. There's 16 ounces in a pound, so
0: two one. It's a fuckload of scallions. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. Too many scallions.
1: But so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, how many bunches of scallions is that? How many like individual? Because that's how people buy things. So we have to go through and be super meticulous. And then um, about just how like how big of a piece? it's one tablespoon of ginger minced. But how is that like one in, a one inch piece of ginger? Like how much is that? So we're going through and like making all these notes and writing in ounces, so writing it in grams, testing it again. Because that may, and then I staple the recipe to the new recipe to the top of it. The old ones they're together and I can like if I need to go back and reference it. Like why did your mashed potatoes not come out right? Oh, because I called for three mashed three potatoes, and the first time it was four pounds worth of potatoes, the second time it was three pounds. So that's why, anyways, so I'm really like, let's call for pounds potatoes because that's something people can buy. So it's thinking about you guys and what you're shopping for um, and then how we're gonna state that in the recipe. So anyways, I go through all that and make it and test it. Yes, we're testing it a bajillion times. Um, not a bajillion, that's a lie. <laughs> but a how do you know lie. when it's done? Um, We, I mean, everyone comes in and tastes it. Um, Our uh, Rupa, who I worked with, would come in. Cliff comes in, Ian comes in, Bettina here. Danielle, shout out in the back. Um, John, over there. This is a Uh, full of burgers, like, yes. We got some munchies crew out here. Um, And so we taste it, and and people are like, this is good, or um, feedback is super important, whether it's good or bad. Um, And it's hard sometimes to hear someone be like, this is not great but you want to make the best recipe you can. So just figuring out like, like sometimes things work on the first try, like salads are an easy example of that. You you kind of throw it together like, this is great. It's, do I need to retest this? Yeah, you do need to retest it anyway. I want to test things at least three times. Um, That's kind of my magic number to know that it's, to know that it's done right. But it's not, there's nothing more frustrating. Like I always tell this to our recipe testers too, that, you know, I. Our recipes have to work. Like, people, like, you guys are going out and buying this book. You're buying the ingredients. You're having your friends over. You are putting a lot of money and time and thought into the stuff you're making. And to have it fail is so shitty. And so I tell them, I'm like, you know, make sure that you, I see them, I walk by, and they're, like, not leveling the cup. And I'm like, that's more than one cup. Like, you need to level that shit. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, no, 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 no. People come to us. We are, you know, they're they're counting on us to have a recipe that works because there's nothing worse, like I said, than wasting all of that money and time on something and having it fail. So we're going to waste all that time and money, and thanks for the budget, John, Um, and let it fail a few times, and then you guys don't have to.
0: That's beautiful. Thanks. I'm so eloquent. Well, I think we have time for some questions before we wrap up, and everybody can go eat cake and have Friday sign their books. So. You've all prepared your questions, right? All right. <laughs> do you wanna do it? You yes. want to choose people? Go Back. ahead.
2: Thank you. Um, I you know, I was thinking about when I looked at the book and hearing you talk about it tonight, it really struck me, you know, Helen, you asked that question, like, what does it mean? Why do you choose what you know one might call a junk food recipe or in this context, like maybe a mass market recipe to to do in the book? And I think something that's really empowering about that for people is most of your readers will have tasted some version of that. Mm-hmm. And having ended recipes for many years and making the terrible mistake of reading the comments is that people feel very vulnerable and destabilized when they're making something they've never really eaten before and they don't have a, an experience of how it's supposed to come out. So clearly that had to like, and that, that gives them kind of the freedom to feel like they can play with it a little. You know, like this is their food. But, so, given all of that, were, can you give an example of maybe recipes that you considered for the book and you're like, you know what, that isn't this book. This isn't quite right for this book.
1: You know what's funny is that it was more so what happened with this book was looking at it and then being like, I need more variety. Like, I was like, I need more variety. Like, I need to add, like, in some different things to it. Because um, sometimes I get stuck in, like, my own little... World and I'm like, oh no, we need to do like, I don't know, just other random recipes. So it's not just like super junky stuff. Like how are we gonna make this make more sense and I don't know and be more of like a like worldly thing too. You know what I mean? And and diversing diversifying recipes and stuff. So more so like just making sure that we're like including a bunch of different things. So it's not just like this isn't a book that's just. you know pizza or whatever we wanted to include um just all varieties of things and then i come as you know you know from a background at saver where i want to make sure and i think authenticity is such a weird word to use but just using recipes that um like i come from a place where it's like i want to make sure that um we're being true to some of those like recipes and, and those <clears throat> techniques and stuff and teaching people that because I think that's really important when you're eating something um, or cooking something is knowing where it came from too, um, and so there's there's that stuff in there too, making sure that that is a part of it. If that makes sense.
0: Surely there are more questions. Eleanor had one. Oh, you? Yes. No, you. What's your name? Cheer. Hi. Um. So I guess I kind of have two questions. If I may. How awesome. did you translate like your restaurant? Did you have an idea you wanted to do like test kitcheny things or was it like more serendipitous i'm
1: going to answer that before you go on before oh. i forget that question um so i didn't want to be a chef growing up or anything like that i wasn't like super into food i was out like playing soccer and hanging out my sister actually was the one in the family who was like cooking and helping my mom with stuff um it was when i was in college that i started cooking for myself for the first time and i realized how much i enjoyed it Um, but I was studying communication and actually was working in production Um, and then when I graduated I was working production for a while and then I decided to move to New Zealand and I was like I've always wanted to be a chef let me like try my hand in a a restaurant Um, and so I got a job making pizzas um, in this Italian restaurant and kind of things went from there but I was living in New Zealand seven years, and I was kind of like, "Damn, my mom's gotta be pissed right now that I'm not using that degree I got, huh?" <laughs> and so, and also, I I can't lie to you, I also wanted to, you know, go back to doing some of that stuff that I, you know, I, I always wanted to work in production and do that kind of kind of thing. And I think I literally Googled like, "What can I do with this degree in food?" And found test kitchens, and I found I was like, "Are there test kitchen in test kitchens in America?" And I found. America's Test Kitchen, um, and so go <laughs> figure, based out of Boston, literally. And I was like, I was like, oh, this sounds cool. Um, and I didn't know at the time that most every magazine and you know digital publication that deals with food has a test kitchen. Um, until I moved back, and I was like, I don't want to move to Boston. It's an unpaid internship. That <laughs> sounds terrible. And instead, I actually, Beth, I, don't, I think I've told you this story before. Um, I was obsessed with chicken liver pate, and, um, and I basically was online, and I loved Sabur, and I was looking at their recipe, which is actually Beth's sister's recipe, and then looking at that recipe online, I found that it was like the sidebar that said, ask the test kitchen, and I was like, I'm just gonna email them my resume and see what happens, and the test kitchen director at the time emailed me back, and I just kind of came up to New York for the interview, and it all kind of, it was an unpaid internship, but I was like, well, it's closer than Boston, at least I know people in New York, so um, kind of just got stuck into it. Into it that way. Um, but yeah, and it kind of like just came full circle being at Munchies now because it's back into production as well. But um, I don't know if that answered your question. It was a long, long way around, but it got there in the end. <laughs> yeah,
2: that was great. Um, you like segued into my second question too, which was like, how do you develop, I guess, a voice? I think you touched on this a little bit mm-hmm. already, but how do you develop a voice as a recipe developer? Because you've worked like Munchies and sever, like oh, yeah, that very was
1: different So different, and that was really hard for a while when I first started at uh, Munchies <laughs> coming from Sever because, and also Saver, it's different style um, in terms of like the voice of the recipes too, and the audience is different, everything. Um, and so it took a while for me to kind of, I don't even know how, it just, it just kind of, it happened. I don't know, I don't even know if I like, woke up one day and I was like, ah, oh, Munchies. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's fun, it's actually really fun writing the recipes for munchies because I get to, whether they're my recipes or a chef recipe or other developers we have in the kitchen, I am encouraging of them to put their own voice into it and to say like, just have fun with it and make it, you know, just like, it's not like super, like writing for recipes for a magazine also, you have to get, become really robotic with them because you have to lose words. So you're losing like heat the oven, it's just heat oven too. You're losing the, you're using all these different things. Um, and essentially you lose a lot of the personality sometimes um, with that, you know, they're all very stylistically like to fit on the page. Um, whereas you're ready for a website, um, you can have more fun with it and be longer and like as verbose as you want, essentially. So i I like that. I like that, that's weird.
0: Who else?
1: Who
0: else? This is very disappointing. I don't know, oh, yes. yes. Yes, Albert. I have a question. I guess this is for Helen as well. Great. If you're familiar with the book, I guess, what are your, what's your favorite recipe from the book, in essence? I mean, I actually said it before, I really like the barbecue sauce. I mean, I think the, the like recipe recipe, I made your roast chicken. It's a wonderful roast chicken. I really like it. So I want to make the carne asada fries, but I'm terrified of them. Do it. I'm, like, genuinely nervous about this. I'm not just pretending. Just make sure your dog, like, doesn't... I feel like... She will die. Yeah. <laughs> it will be, like, like medieval boiling oil on your head, and she will die. Um, no, but... Um, I don't know. I've made the barbecue sauce twice now, nice. and I think it's really good. It's, like, a perfect, simple barbecue sauce. I have a chicken tender addiction, as I've written about before, and I've started, like, buying chicken tenders that I keep in the freezer, and I would buy, like, gross, you know corn syrup barbecue sauces to dip them in, and now I make your barbecue sauce. Bloody I like
2: it. Mm-hmm. Look
1: at that.
0: Um, God, choosing my favorite recipe is so hard, but
1: I will say, I think one of my favorites is um, and it's one of the simplest recipes in there, it's broccoli that is just burnt the fuck out of under the broiler, essentially, and charred, um, and then we put a like tahini um, mustard dressing on top, and it's so tasty. And I use that dressing, I actually add miso to it a lot of times, um, and use it like as a salad dressing, um, but it just, it's so good. And we actually did a d- dinner recently, and that was one of the sides for it, and everyone like that was like, everyone, everyone was blown away by the recipe. So it's so simple, and I make that for myself all the time, because I don't, I don't, know, I don't really have to follow the recipe for It's just like burn your broccoli, and then whisk up this stuff and pour it on top. Um, I also love, let me think, the congee is good, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was,
0: I was going to say the congee. The congee. The congee
1: no. well, it's because So I was talking to Helen about this before, because, so one of the, the a, a recipe, which I feel like this is silly for calling it a recipe, but I learned it cooking in New Zealand when we were doing the family meal. Um, my chef was like, here's how you make rice for 25 people. You bring one of the big stockpots of water up to a boil, chuck your rice in, cook it for 12 minutes exactly, and then dump it. And it is the biggest hack, and it's so good and easy. Like You cannot burn your rice, essentially. Unless you, if you want to burn your rice, burn your rice. I love that. I'm Iranian, so tariq is my thing. It's the burnt rice in the bottom of the pot. Um, But this is a really good thing. I do it for like photo shoots where I'm just like, just cook this really quickly, whatever. But in saying that also, when people always get scared and they overcook their rice, congee is what you're going to make, essentially, after that. And congee is just such a comforting thing. For those of you guys who don't know what congee is, it's like basically a rice porridge. You can eat it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. Um, but-
0: That's rice pudding. Rice pudding is just sweet
1: congee. Right, it is. And then, <laughs> this rice pudding is sweet congee. Um, but I, I'm obsessed. Fish sauce is one of my favorite ingredients. I always have fish sauce. And so that one, it's finished with, it's overcooked. And um, you make your own chicken stock for it. Um, and then you're using, pulling that chicken, adding it to it, cooking the rice in the chicken stock and then finishing it with just fish sauce. Um, it's a very easy, very cheap and recipe. crispy
0: garlic and shallots and thirty ounces of scallions, yes, thirty ounces, thirty
1: ounces right in
2: there, yeah, but it's yeah, crispy
1: really I also always have but there's things I always have in my fridge, and it's well crispy shallots and garlic are not in my fridge, but they're always in my pantry um I always have rice because again, Iranian I never not have rice um and then yeah fish sauce and miso, what else We yeah, have <laughs> time for one
0: more, yeah. um. I really appreciate your stance on ketchup versus mustard. It's a bold one. Thank you. <laughs> um, would love to hear other ingredients that you think are really overrated and some you think are underrated. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, fish sauce is one of my favorite things. Um, I don't know. I feel like fish sauce is actually having a moment. I feel like I'm seeing it everywhere now, and I'm like glad to see it like kind of shining as it should. Um, they, you know, I was gonna say we were talking about food trends actually recently. Remember, and on our like group chat, we have texts and like <laughs> so funny. But also, like one of the things I think is I love so much. I don't drink a lot of coffee, but when I do, watch out. I don't need coffee. You can see I'm like cracked already. But oat milk is so good, and I kind of love oat milk is the best. Like, where did that come from? And it's why? Fantastic. It's fantastic. So good, especially with coffee. So shout out to oat milk. Um, other ingredients that I don't love that much, hmm, hmm. Wait, what if, it, it doesn't have
0: to be something so you CBD don't like, it just has to be something over, you think is overrated. I think
1: CBD is overrated. I think it's such a silly, dumb thing.
0: <laughs> it's like, not really, come on, it
1: doesn't do shit. <laughs> like, it's like, people are like, I hate when people, here's what I, that I hate, because it's a non-psychoactive thing, and when people act like they're like fucked up from it, and I'm like, you can't be, that's like impossible. Like, you're not, you're
0: not. I think the placebo effect is very powerful. Yes. Like, didn't, like, it's like a, when a like, six, 12 year olds all share one beer.
1: Like, oh, yeah, so fucked up. We definitely took to up around this one kid back in high school that we would give him um, non alcoholic beers and he wouldn't know, like, O'Douls or whatever, and he was like, Soy, so wasted. We're like, sure you are, Brian. That's what CBD is. <laughs> yes, exactly. We used to give him nitrous balloons too that we blew up with our own air. <laughs>
0: This should be your next cookbook. It's just like how to fuck with your friends and make them yes. think they're on drugs. Like I've made you a Caesar salad that does not contain ketamine. Yeah. But <laughs> that is... ah, jokes on you. Okay.
2: One more. One, one more. No ketamine. You. Note. All
0: right.
2: When you were living in New Zealand, what was your favorite food?
1: Ooh, oh pies. meat pies. They're yeah. so good. Where are you from? New
2: Zealand. Where in New Zealand? Cambridge.
1: Oh, nice. I've lived in Taupo. I used to work at Hooker Lodge and yes. this yeah. other place that closed down now. Um, but yeah, meat pies. I did a recipe for a video for meat pies and. Those you guys don't know, they're like little handheld pies. My favorite was from the gas station from BP Wild yes. Bean Cafe. It's so it's fucking good. Favorite. Butter chicken and then the <laughs> yeah. gourmet Thai chicken are so good. Oh Thank God. you for recommending. Yes, <laughs> so they're so good. That every was... time
2: she gets home, like goes home from the airport, that's her first place Yeah, uh, same. So my friend Kate
1: sitting up here came with me to New Zealand. I hadn't been back in like seven years. We went in February, and I was like, "You gotta try this pie from BP." And she's like, oh. like "The fuck."
2: So she
1: loved it too. I actually remember I took him on the plane ride home. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I got the butter chicken ones and I was like eating them. Like I get I have a tendency to drink a lot of wine on a plane and so I like got pretty drunk and I might have also had like a gummy or something and then I was just like i mm-hmm. and like eating meat pies. I like passed out and had a stomachache. It was it was great. I love it.
0: And on that note, <laughs> on that note thank you, Faraday. Um thank so Faraday's gonna be signing copies of the book. She's just gonna be wandering around with the Sharpie and she'll just sign yeah. body parts too if you don't yeah. have shirts sure. for her. <laughs> Let's um, do it. And there's cake, right? There's cake, yeah, there's
2: there's cake.
1: Cake. There's cake. cake, there's cake. Thank you guys for, for cage thank, thank you guys. guys.